coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Quick note before I get into it. Something's going on with my mic. It keeps cutting out. I'm getting dropouts. It hasn't been overly noticeable in live streams or on other podcasts, as far as I can tell, but I'm starting to hear it in this recording I just did. And uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I'm going to try and figure it out. Maybe get a new mic. We'll find out. I just want to apologize for it up front. So this week I talked with Dave Wright at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. He is a database nerd, so buckle up. And mostly we broke down the Ohio State wide receiver crunch because three wide receivers were involved in the Ohio State offense over the last three years. Um, And it creates a bit of a nightmare for a few different reasons and uh yeah that's what we're going to break down mostly um had a real good time talking with dave i've been speaking with him for years really recommend checking him out at fs spaceman on twitter and check out his podcast too a tale of two rivals hope you enjoy the episode let me know what you think about it as always and i will see you in, see you in a second when i talk to dave do you have the time to listen to me grind take down the film watchers and nerds on it once I am one of those skeptical of status quo lazy and to the bone no doubt about it sometimes I grind my Excel sheets sometimes pour cold water on heat when the mass not adding up you said I'm uh so you're just getting into the rookie process dave are we has this started peter are we just spitballing right now both (laughs) if it goes (laughs) badly we'll start later okay if it's going well we'll keep this in okay i had to turn it on i had to get ready to turn it on here turn i had to turn on the old charm let's start let's start from here uh we're going to talk rookie process because you have literally just started looking at rookies. So, yeah, let's just literally start there. What 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 does that look like? What are you up to and what are you seeing so far? So my biggest thing, Peter, was like, when did Ohio State become wide receiver U? Was it with <laughs> when Ted Ginn came in? Is that Ohio State wide receiver U? Or was it Bam Childress? Or was it, you know, Anthony Gonzalez, Dane Sazenbacher back in 20. 20- 2011 was that when there was just so many people competing or was it michael thomas that he magically ohio state had so much competition that's why michael thomas is good peter like i, I don't know i don't know narr- college <laughs> i would i know there's an interesting narrative to construct there that after michael thomas wide receivers might have been more interested in ohio state i don't know so, college at all but it might have so Devin Smith like a was good destination <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> no but I, I, so that's kind of my biggest because i I like you, these narratives, and I'm like, okay, so 
I need to figure out a way to adjust for this because I, like you, I got burned by Michael Thomas, adjusted way too late. Or actually, you adjusted way sooner than I did, if I remember correctly. But I, I, I like Drew Brees a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I like thought Drew QBs Brees didn't matter, Peter, for why they, they don't until they're Drew Brees. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, well, first round then, draft capital on Drew Brees was enough to make me like him as you know a mid to late first round pick. That was it. That was the entire reason. It's like, yeah, I can be wrong. <laughs> I hire states works, whatever. So that that's kind of my biggest thing. But then I like, well, Curtis Samuel was the like the like Braxton Miller had some buzz, and then it was yeah, Curtis senior Samuel ball who, breakout, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to figure out this whole. I'm getting my head wrapped around Ohio State, but then you get. Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Paris Campbell back, like all within a stretch. So that's when I think things really start to heat up. And so I think that's what we can say here. But then still, you know, you have years where ben, Benjamin Victor was, I was told, Peter, because Ohio State is the wide receiver you, that Benjamin Victor was going to be a thing. Austin Mack was for real. KJ Hill. Remember KJ Hill, Peter? No, I, I think maybe you told. I think maybe you're talking to the wrong people. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, what's the issue this year? Essentially, we've got three wide receivers that are entering this year's class. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams all played um, at Ohio State together for at least two years, and then Jamison Winston. Winston? I keep wanting to call him Jamison Winston. I'm not kidding. I keep wanting to misname him a quarterback. But, uh, yeah, Jamis. Uh, Jamison Williams. Williams. I was going to get there. I was going to get there. It's okay. Um, and he uh, transfers portals over to, which, by the way, makes that sound much more interesting. Like, I have Harry Potter in mind whenever anyone enters a transfer portal. Like, the, whenever anyone enters a transfer portal, I immediately think of Harry Potter. Like, they're going to enter the fireplace and turn up in the next team. But anyway, um, so that's the issue. We've got three players who all seem to have different levels of hype, but all seem to be pretty interesting prospects who have fairly interesting uh you're still primarily using market share i'm gathering from what you're talking about but they were receiving yards between pass attempt is interesting too so uh, i actually they... use oh sorry i do no, okay. i've actually so another word for adjusted peter adjusted market share numbers so when you instead of doing or adjusted dominator instead of 50 percent of the receiving yards 50 percent of the receiving touchdowns i've gone to the 80 20 thing any 20 model where it relies much heavily more heavily on the right receiver so that's another way to use adjusted so just just to confuse people a little bit more yeah yeah let's confuse them as much as we can um so that's the issue we've got three players in this year's class that we're pretty interested in the thing that we think they get you know top three round draft capital Ohio State doesn't produce gaudy numbers in terms of overall receiving yards. Still, even after Michael Thomas and KJ Hill or whoever you mentioned, they're still <laughs> producing 800-yard seasons or whatever. Um, and so we're looking at their market share and the receiving yards per team pass attempt, who I think, um, you know, variations on a theme. But Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, um, both show up as having decent age-adjusted production across market share or receiving yards between pass attempts. Jameis Wilson Williams C um, only becomes a wide receiver three with both of them in his second year before he transfers to Alabama Alabama, and then uh, basically eclipses both of them with over three yards between pass attempt, if memory serves, on what is a more highly drafted team. So we've got this mess, basically. A non-wide receiver U with something of a reputation of being wide receiver U. 
it doesn't produce gaudy statistics that most people will be looking for, like a thousand yard seasons, but three players on a team that typically the only, the best wide receivers that have come from there have bad numbers. Like they're the exceptions. So yeah, that just to lay out the groundwork. That's where we are. A team that produces the best wide receivers that's produced has produced bad comparison wide receiver numbers, but we've certainly got three who produce pretty good wide receiver numbers, but one of them had to leave the team to do it. So I guess the first question is what happens when good players, good NFL players, for fantasy play on the same team in college well your guess is as good as mine peter i i mean i we try to make an adjustment for for the and i know you've personally tried to to make it a team adjustment but it's not really sticky so what i'm just trying to do is i'm just trying to keep in the back of my mind here because i don't think that there's a way you can consistently apply teammate scores or whatever you have you because by the time you get that, like one, the team changes so constantly. I have a, I have a hard time keeping up with it. So like one year you have these three great wide receiver prospects and then other years you have Benjamin Victor and KJ Hill. Like how do you adjust for that? So that's my biggest strength problem, Peter, is how to do it. So what I do is I just stick to the nuts and bolts. I look at their, their production, the, you know, their age or how long they were in college for. So Garrett Wilson comes in as a 19 year old freshman. So he, so while he's not the 18 year old that we like love to see, but you know, 19 year old freshman, I think he surpassed 10% of that team's uh, receiving numbers, but he really broke out in his second year with that. And he did it at passing that 30% threshold that, that wrote is, and you love to see Peter. So <laughs> I think that's kind of how it starts here is that, Hey, you have, you come in and then, yeah, that's basically, that's what we see here to start out with Garrett Wilson. So then I start working my way through it. And I say, look, he dominated the receiving yards as a sophomore. He had excellent adjusted dominator rating. You know, he wasn't a slouch with score with t touchdown scoring either. Like he still scored a decent amount of, of his team's uh, receiving touchdowns with over 25% of the team's TDs in the final two seasons. And I don't use receiving yards per team attempt. I just use scrim yards per team attempt. Uh, but you know, 1.39 is, isn't yet. I, I try to like cut that. I do that to try to catch in the Randall Cobbs of the world. So, and then he, uh, so that 1.3 yards per team attempt in year two, I wouldn't say it's a legendary threshold that he's passed, but it's a, a very productive season as with all these other players here. And on top of all that, Peter, he had 33 returns in college. So he shows some dynamism, or at least that the college coaches thought that he was, had a dynamic element that added to his teams. And, and we'd like to see that. So and then also when you compare him to the NFL, successful NFL wide receivers, he he looks, I wouldn't say he's smashes compared to the historical uh, averages, but he, he's solid. He, he does well. And then he does very well compared to other Big Ten receivers historically. So Garrett Wilson, the first run through Peter, kind of se separates from the other two for me. Is that kind of how you found it too? No, but carry on. No, <laughs> no, no. I got lost in the source there. There are a lot of numbers. Um, Garrett Wilson's second season looks significantly above the age curve. His uh, third season looks basically on the age curve. His first season is slightly disappointing when you look at the age curve in general. And I'm primarily looking at receiving yards per team pass attempt. Um, yeah, it stands out uh, as good. But honestly, I, I have a hard time saying it's you know better than Chris Olave. Chris Olave is disappointing towards the end of his season when. Uh, you know, who is it, JSN? 
whose name I won't even uh, like someone we're going to have to be excited about next year takes over and Chris Olave essentially gets pushed out that one spot and falls to the third season. But before that, he was distancing himself um, impressively, I think, above Wilson. Uh, I've heard a lot of stuff about Wilson. And that's not to say Wilson's bad. Don't at me. Um, but like both separate um, as being decent prospects in this uh, mediocre situation, like Ohio State not producing gaudy receiving numbers. It's essentially yeah, where I'm at. I think that's fair. I'm, I, I'll work that like in that in that 2020 season. Chris Olave was the wide receiver one A. Garrett Wilson was the one B, and then it flip flops in the second in the in this season. So I, I think I might have embellished a little bit about how much Garrett Wilson separated, but from so is, so is Wilson the one you are most interested in from this group? I think he. Pr- you know, as of now, I think he has the better overall numbers and the pro, like production profile because I'm not, I don't really care about a, you know, a age 20 to an age 19 breakout. That doesn't really, that doesn't move. They both meet that breakout threshold for me. They, yeah. so, and they both have good, you know, who cares if one had 3% more market share? Like there's nothing that shows like, Hey, it's not like a linear correlation. It, once you meet that threshold, right. So basically yeah, what happens, yeah, it's so I don't want to further make it, over it. So it's better. Yeah. I, I don't want to mislead people here, but it just looks like that Garrett Wilson, he did it. He, he, it sounds stupid, but you know, him graduating after three years instead of the four. And I was going to say, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It, 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 it honestly, that's what it is. It is the three years he's going to, and you try not to let in the outside the, the draft buzz around like, oh, he's going to have better draft capital. And you hear people talk about how good he is at route running and all these things, but you don't want to let that. But honestly, he's just a smidge better as far as production. Like he really separates from a from a yards, like a scrim yards per attempt for me and our t- or team play. So that's what does it. But I was actually surprised by Chris Olave, Peter, because I came in thinking, you know, like just doing my process, I look at the raw numbers. I see, hey, Jameson Williams had, you know, in his best year, his peak year had better uh, scrim yards per attempt than than Olave, and you know he had better point. He had more raw stats, and and you hear all this buzz around him. And, and Chris Olave has this disappointment around him because he didn't continue this ascent up that that trend line, that adjusted curve that you that uh, you use so frequently or that people use so frequently. So I think there's just more of an expectation with Chris Olave. That's a disappointment. Then but when you get a little bit deeper, you look at like, Hey, well, Chris Olave, you know, you go pound for pound. He is more impressive to Jameson Williams than I would have thought, because I think that what you, and you mentioned it, uh, Enigma Jackson Smith, Enigma or Enigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I mess it. And Jigba, that's his name. He really, when ate everybody's lunch, Peter, and maybe Jameson Williams was just the lucky one who got out and then went to a team with just John Mechie on it and the best Cuban college. So Chris Olave, I think I'm struggling to where to like, if it's Chris Olave right now or Jameson Williams, and, and that's not what people like to hear because I, I wish I could have this firm feeling here, but like Chris Olave's touchdowns stayed consistent. Like, yeah, he, he, his yards went down or like his percentage of team yards went down, but he still was a consistent touchdown scorer. Uh, and I'm not going to just knock him because he decided to randomly stay in for an extra year. All right. 
Sorry, I have to make an adjustment here. So, um, that's interesting. For me, I yeah, I understand what you're saying, and I don't particularly disagree on it. I realize that uh, it sounded like I was saying, I understand what you're saying, but you're wrong. I, I don't mean that. That's it. That's all it. That's all really interesting context. Um, for me, it starts a little bit sooner, though. It's literally looking at, if we're just breaking it down to Alave versus Wilson, for now at least, what yeah. do good players do when they're on the same team? And, and there are precious few examples. I think that's one of the most more interesting questions right now, especially when considering data analysis or whatever the hell we're doing um, of prospects. Because, you know, who did Calvin Johnson beat out? You ever go look at that depth chart? Well, we're going to go all the way back to Odell Beckham. I'll pick one. You know, you pick yeah, one. Like, I know, I know yeah. what you're saying. Is, no, like, I'm saying that's the point. What are we going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, players so have not historically played on the same team in college. Relatively few ever happen. We do have a few examples. You've got, like you mentioned, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. They're both NFL success stories in terms of prospects and fantasy, at least, um, who played on the same team in college. Both broke out over the thresholds you're talking about for both of these players um, and any other player, but they didn't quite hit as high if it was exponential if it was further over the line the better you are as you might expect that's one of the reasons that that doesn't happen because it's not comparable in that fashion so essentially what i've always found is that players that are good in the nfl for fantasy on the same team both still break the threshold which is what both Alave and wilson are doing so that's positive and, and we look at receiving yards per team pass and to market share because the overall you know, thousand yard seasons don't necessarily matter as much as the role you have and how large it is on that team. And that way, both Alave and Wilson manage that season. Um, however, it's increasingly becoming a feature, especially as more and more players enter the Harry Potter realm and jump into the transfer portal. Um, players are playing on similar teams before they get drafted with at least... Uh, relatively similar amounts of draft potential this this far ahead of the nfl draft um and so you've got you know uh aj brown aj brown playing on the same team as dk metcalf wasn't it yeah and then there was also i'm pretty sure i'm right yeah there was also van jefferson was on that team yeah but he stuck yeah, so, so who cares yeah. um so <laughs> and he sucked uh compared to those threats we're talking about and but that's a that actually is a good mention because in the same conversation, you know, not to disparage who seems to be an incredibly nice person who just won the Super Bowl, Van Jefferson as a person or a player doesn't suck. His fantasy profile did. Um, but just because you play on good with good players in the same college, even recently with AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, when they were both on the field and healthy, they both crushed the thresholds but the unfortunate situation there is neither played a full healthy season together on the same team so we don't know if it would have played out like Odo Beckham and Landry both breaking the thresholds together or if they were both able to break out because the other one wasn't available so as this increasingly becomes a feature of college football I honestly think it's an open question what we should expect good players on the same team to do and um, interestingly if both Wilson and Olave hit or one hits and one doesn't, that's going to increase the confusion around what to do with this situation, because with these types of situations, because both cross the thresholds. So if one hits and one doesn't, 
like that's another in, incomparable situation when we have relatively few examples of players playing on the same team in college and then being potential fantasy prospects. So, yeah, what do players do when they play on the same team? Ultimately, we don't know. The few examples we have seem to indicate to me that they do what Alave and Wilson does. Having said that, neither were impress, as impressive in college as Landry or Odell Beckham. So, yeah. Uh, not a lot of examples to compare to. What I would say about Jameis Williams when he goes to Alabama is he breaks the threshold for that advanced age, that advanced career career year, and in fact does better. You mentioned the quarterback, but I mean, he had receiving yards per team pass attempt to rival Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy on this team, adjusted for how old he was when he was playing. So I don't think dinging him for only having that one year especially when we're not looking specifically through breakout age or the year that he was playing but how well he was playing relative to the year he was playing is entirely fair either 100 percent. and what i also was remarkable about this in particular situation peter is that odell beckham jarvis landry dylan gordon was the was the next best wide receiver on that team or you know or players that we've we haven't heard of uh and we 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 go through here, but this we have Jackson Ajigba, or Smith Ajigba. I don't even know why I'm trying to say his name, but is there. And also Jameson Williams was there for a while on top of, you know, Terry McLaurin was there early on for Olave. Paris Campbell was there early on for, so it's not even just two players who are trying to pass the threshold. There's a conglomerate of players, which makes it even more confounding. So I think maybe Ole Miss is the only other example that we can come up with recently. And then LSU with Jefferson, Jefferson, Terrace Marshall and Chase. So, and and I think it's not even fair to put Terrace Marshall in the same category as, the, as, as, as the other prospect, like, and Jigba is like a, a Chase level prospect right now, people are saying. So. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, um, I think that's the unique part to this is that this is, pretty unique situation was how many wide receivers are actually there. I also think it's specifically unique because Ohio sucks. Ohio sucks for wide receiver numbers. Like you said, it's not uh, what wide receiver you. I mean, Paris Campbell, you mentioned his last year, he's 1.89 receiving a team pass attempt, which is below the, uh, it sucks uh, in a word. But Perry McClellan in that same year had 1.646, which sucks harder. And yet he was a better prospect, it turns out, once he got to the NFL. Sort of the reasons I had to adjust for him after seeing his rookie season. So, like, Ohio State itself, as a school, seems to be a conundrum in and of itself. And I think, Peter, what happens is that you know, you and I, we, we want have these deep databases that we want to use historical comparisons to. But I'm hearing from people... And I wish I could cite them, but this this was a name that I, I, man, I shouldn't even say it. But they told they're saying that college maybe it was Travis May. I think he might have said how you know, college football is changing right now. The the transfer portal and, and how is you don't have to lose a year anymore, so you can just transfer and instantly go into the next year. So these players don't have the punishment of transferring and the overall skill level of these wide receivers as they're coming in. There's more viable wide receivers across college teams. It's not just an alpha at each school anymore. There's some, there's two or sometimes three decent targets for the for these these offenses, 
and running backs are catching passes on the ball as we go to this more air raid type system. So I think I don't have any numbers in front of me, which I would love to, because this kind of came up, I feel organically, but it does feel like there's the college is changing and we can't just really look through it in this, how we've been viewing wide receivers for the last five years consistently. I mean, maybe we have to tweak it a little bit. So, yeah, that, that was a bunch of nerd talk. Hopefully someone listened to it. But what does that what does that mean, man? Uh, you say you have it Wilson, Alave, and then Jameis. Uh, I, I, think, I think that's what it comes down to just because I'm looking, well, why can't Jameson – I want to say, well, no, that's fine. That's from, fine. Yeah, that's that's you know, where you're on them right now. The yeah. draft will change anything. Yeah. I don't mean to make you question that. What I was going to ask is, what does that mean? Like, what what are your expectations? Uh, should we be expecting top twelve wide receivers, top twenty four wide receivers? Are these guys going to be, you know, um, Jerry Judy's good in the NFL, but somewhat disappointing in terms of overall fantasy output, or are they going to be, you know, players we? really want in our dynasty teams in two years like literally broad strokes are these players you want to go draft this year i'm not burning the door down for any of these wide receivers uh I, i'm i might want to just take the cheapest one olave feels like the cheapest one in fantasy right now compared to consent the consensus and the buzz i hear around him and so that's kind of where my mind's at but and i just want to let you know take the value and just hope you know you hit at the early in the round two of a super flex or late round one and just that's it seems like good teams these teams in the back end of these fantasy drafts just get rid michael thomas falls to them uh justin jefferson falls to them so i'm just going to try to hit that they meet my thresholds they land they have good draft capital decent qb that they land with and just pray and see what happens i, I feel like that's a kind of a cop-out answer but at this point the prospect the where we don't know the draft capital and who cares about the combine? But <laughs> uh, it's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Is I'll just take the cheaper one of these options, probably. Yeah. Um. See, if you were to just look at those three in my ranks, they're actually ranked the same: Wilson, Alave, and then Williams. But um, where I was telling you at the start, like what I'm most interested in doing right now is kind of shunting these guys around into tiers. And the reason Alave and Wilson are both above Jameson. Williams, um, is because I have more draft concerns. He just tore his ACL. He only has that one year in Alabama. Will the NFL give him the Alabama bump? I don't know. But if you're going to ask me who has the highest upside for fantasy, I honestly think it's Williams. Um, I would expect to be more interested in drafting him in more situations, depending on what happens in the NFL, assuming all three get drafted within the first three rounds, if that's even going to happen this year. Because I don't think the, the NFL is going to be as interested in investing in wide receivers in this year's draft, especially not this class. So I think Williams probably has the highest potential. And um, I think Wilson's much more solidly in the middle. And Alave's kind of a wild card. Like if he'd been drafted last year, I think we would have been much higher on him, which is just one of those bizarre things of, you know, nerds prospecting data. It's like, what, he got worse after another year in college? Well, yeah, kind of, kind of, because we saw more context and we saw him lose out to yet another player who, basically cooked him on the depth chart and did better than he has done on that same depth chart. So that's, that's a sour note was Wilson held his job and actually improved his performance, although not enough to remain significantly above the age curve. He did improve and um, remaining as uh, 
what I'm going to call wide receiver two, but that's not about his role. It's just about the fantasy points per game output he did, which doesn't certainly matter for whether he's an alpha or not. So, yeah, I think that's where I am. Um, Wilson has the highest upside, but he has the most draft concerns with his torn ACL and only one year in Alabama. Wilson looks like uh, the safest bet, I guess, and Alave is kind of a wild card because his career was better in some regards than both Wilson and Williams. But there are more questions on it because he played four years, because he was pushed out, essentially, in that last year when JSN came along. We just need to know a little bit more about his landing spot and draft capital. And then when you say he's like pushed out, he still had almost 20. I think he had either 20 or over 20 points per game, for, you know, you know, for fancy points per game. It's not even, I think it's just, he didn't continue to impress. You know, when you think about when you, the older you get in college, theoretically you're supposed to con- continue to produce and he just didn't happen. So, and that's honestly, Wilson had a, had a, had a, if you, he did not have as good of his, as a last year as as um, he did his his second season either. So it's, I think it's a trend what you're seeing. It happened for both Alave and Wilson. Whereas Williams too, I, I've also heard a lot of good things from you know the the film the film people whispering in our ears, Peter, about how he kind of mm-hmm. has an NFL wide receiver route. Kind of he's got a good he's got a decent size body and he's good, he can makes the good the cuts and and runs the good routes as you will which shows up in those in those spreadsheets all the time just it's a, like there's a column that says good route runner you're a hater i get it it's fine um <laughs> yeah exactly no um where can people find all these amazing statistics you're talking about dave well you can find them right in peter howard's database on the patreon <laughs> <laughs> uh True. no you can find i have my own patreon i went and I got tired of asking Peter Howard questions. I just didn't quite, I was, I had a thousand questions. That's fair. A lot of people do get tired so that this will be good advice. I just felt like I was bugging him all all the time. This was, you know, five years ago now, four years ago, bugging him constantly about, Hey, what does this mean? I don't like, I don't understand what this stat is or how do you do this? And, and what have you? And I was, I got tired of it. And so I created my own database. I went through and I hand entered everything, uh, no copy pasting from Peter's database, uh, but and I created my own database on my Patreon, as well as I have, you know, I have a weekly database for in season. I have an NFL database too that's for patrons, but also you can find my thoughts I um, on my podcast Tale Two Rivals, where I uh, do a podcast with Todd Foster at F underscore Bannerman, and we just come from different viewpoints and. He's the go with your gut guy, and I'm the nerd trying to, you know, prove him wrong. Um, and even though he can flex on me and has more titles than me in our home dynasty league, so that's kind of. And I also write for where you write, Peter at DLF. So that's kind of what's uh, where everyone can find me. Uh, you can find Dave on Twitter at ff underscore spaceman, uh, where you can find a link to his Patreon and his college database. Much like mine, is free. I know he said the word Patreon, and I always want to mention like most of us are idiots doing this work for free. You can go look at our, at our databases, um, and you know argue about them. I, I would say that the Tale of Two Rivals is one of the most enjoyable podcasts. I do make sure I have 
time in my week to actually listen to because Todd and Dave arguing back and forward is hilarious and funny. And if you hated any of the nurse stuff, don't worry, Todd's got your back. He is your voice in the room and he's very good at fantasy football, proving once again that nerds suck, but also that there are many ways of enjoying this game and doing well. So I would really recommend checking that one out. A Tale of Two Rivals available on uh, whatever podcast app you're listening to, I would imagine. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today, Dave. Peter, this was a, a bucket list thing for me, so I appreciate you for having me on. Uh, this was this was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed being owned by you the entire time, so I couldn't even let my grunt, <laughs> my high T, my grunt, you know, th those... those I, I I I think you did, but that's fine. Um, no, it's it's weird we haven't talked together on a podcast back and forth before because we've literally been talking together forever. It feels like on Twitter and in DMs and on Patreon. So, yeah, it just struck me as weird that we've never actually done this. So hopefully we can do it again and often. Really appreciate it, Dave. Thanks very much. Thanks, Peter. Now I'm gonna just go. I'm just gonna go sign off and and make some food, but then also be hypercritical of myself the entire conversation we had. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.